haven't heard already, I am fired up to preach tonight. So I'm glad you all are here. Y'all just stay with me. First day with an iPad case. I don't even know how to use it. This is a bad day. This is a bad start. I'm so glad that each one of you are here. You truly couldn't have picked a better night. Christmas in May, and you're like, is it really Christmas in May? It is. You know why? Because I'm wearing this disgusting, hot, ugly sweater on stage. Dude, (laughs) I'm I'm an elf. I'm Taylor's elf, wherever he is. Tonight, we're going to talk about Christmas. And maybe I'm hoping and I'm praying that tonight we'll talk about it in a way that maybe you've never thought about. Before we get there, in two weeks, in this room, on May 22nd, we're going to do a thing called BR Homecoming. This is a worship night with the BR band. But the reason we're calling it Homecoming is because we want anybody and everybody, anybody that's ever been, I don't care if you've been to BR 20 years ago. Or I don't care if you've never been. We want you to be here this night. We want you to experience what God is doing in this room, but really what he's doing, what he's going to do at the beach as we look forward to beach retreat in a few weeks. So mark that down in your calendars. I don't know if you're like me or if you put it in your calendar, you probably don't, but you can write it on your planner. I don't know what y'all do out here these days. Put it in your Instagram direct messages. I don't know where y'all look and search for things. But just just get out there, May 22nd. And here's, here's it too. I want you to invite somebody. I'm not telling you to bring them with you. I'm not telling you to go take them captive and capture them and put a, no, I'm not doing all that, okay? But I want you to invite somebody. I hope that in this moment that God has maybe relayed on your heart somebody somewhere that needs to be here that night. Somebody somewhere that just maybe needs to get reconnected with God, that needs a night of just worship and singing out the truths of God to him. Or maybe someone that needs to know him for the first time. I'm not sure who it is. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a classmate. Maybe it's your dog. I'm not sure who it is. But just bring somebody. Don't bring somebody. Just invite somebody with you. The title of tonight's message is In All the Wrong Places. In All the Wrong Places. I don't know if you've ever lost anything. um, But I lose stuff almost on a daily basis. Like, I lose stuff so much that my Christmas gift last year from my fiance at the time, because it wouldn't have cut if she was my wife, she bought me a tile. You're like, what's a tile? A tile is a tracking device that you put in your wallet or on your keys so that when you lose them, that you can find them. It makes a really annoying noise. And if you sit on your wallet or your keys, it makes a noise anyway in the middle of meetings and stuff like that. It just gets really, just outrageous. It really gets outrageous. But the point is that I I lose everything. And um, about... Three months ago, I had lost my wallet for like over a year. Or not a year, sorry, over a month. Like my wallet. Good thing there's no money in there because I would have been out without it. But I lost my debit card, my driver's license, and this is when I'm getting married and getting ready to go on my honeymoon. I don't have any of this stuff. Like these are important things, a driver's license, uh, your debit card, social security card. So if you find my wallet, please don't take my identity. Um, all this stuff that's in my wall, my haircut guy, my like bagel cafe punch card, like my Shipley's, always be real, Shipley's punch card, whatever it is that's in there. And I lost all of that. And I searched and I searched and I searched. I checked all the normal places, right? I checked my car, not there. Checked my backpack, not there. Checked my office, not there. I checked everywhere. Checked my dog's cage even. I don't know if she brought it in there. I'm not sure. Not, not there. So I'm moving out of my house to move into our, my apartment that I live in now, and um, I'm cleaning everything, 
and I clean out the closet, and in the back of the closet on the ground, I find my wallet. I'm just like, if I could live in the life of a wallet, of my wallet, like, how did you get from, like, my pocket or my car to the very back of my closet? But the reality is, it's not that I, the reality is I was looking in all the wrong places for my wallet, in all the wrong places. I've done this before. I've done this on something else, too. Um, when I got married, we then started, uh, so Kale used to just eat. Like, I lived with Kale, so, like, <laughs> that started off bad. Kale just used to eat. <laughs> just Kale just used to eat. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, but, but before, when we, me and Kale lived together, my wife would come over, and she would cook and make meals and all this stuff, and, and she, he, would, she, he would just automatically, like, wouldn't even be invited, but all of a sudden, he'd be eating dinner with us. Like, this is a weird deal, Kale. Like, I'm on a date, and you're eating dinner. I don't want to do this, but... Um, but so he used to do this. So then when we got married, we decided that we're going to invite Kale over to our house for dinner at times. But there's one thing that Kale, like, has to have with dinner. It's hot sauce. Like, like y'all think I'm playing out here. Kale, like, he put hot sauce on everything. Dude, like I, I, like, I was trying to think of the things he put it on. He puts it on enchiladas. He puts it on pizza. He puts it on, like, salad. He puts it on, he literally put it in his milk one time for his cereal. Like, Kale, this is too far, bro. Like, hot sauce in your milk, bro? Hot sauce in your cereal, really? That's too far. I'm just saying it's too far. You're like, why are you talking about hot sauce? Have you ever tried to find hot sauce in H-E-B? Where, dude, if y'all, y'all need to help me because I'm in H-E-B, no lie. I walk into H-E-B proud. Married man, proud, gonna, and I love you. My wife's over here. I love you. Um, but it's not like, like, before it used to be like, we didn't have hot sauce. Kale didn't get hot sauce. Like, that's, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But like, now I'm married and my wife's like, we gotta be hospitable. Okay. That wasn't her voice either. I'm so, I don't know what that was. So she's like, you have to get hot sauce for Kale. Or I said, I need to get hot sauce for Kale. And I walk into H-E-B, and I'm, like, proud. I'm, like, yes, I'm going to get my boy hot sauce for tonight. Like, I don't even know what we're eating, but probably he'll put it on it because it's disgusting. He's putting it on egg. Like, this is disgusting, dude. You need help. Like, come on, man. But the, but the truth is I walk into H-E-B, and I, and I, like, am lost. Like, hot sauce, like, you would think that hot sauces would be in the condiments aisle. Like, you think it would be next to, like, the mayo, like, the mustard, like, the ketchup, it's not in that aisle. It's in the spices aisle. First off, y'all saying exactly like y'all know. First off, y'all don't haven't even been to H-E-B, please, okay? <laughs> only time y'all go to H-E-B, nah, only thing. They said exactly. I never heard that before. He said, I feel dumber now. Like, this, he said exactly. It's in the spices aisle, you dummy. Um, but you know what makes it even worse? I am, like, looking everywhere in the store. Like, I eventually make it to the ice cream aisle. I'm like, dude, it's got to be in here somewhere. Like, they have hot sauce at H-E-B. And you could do one of two things in this moment when you, can find, when you can't find something in the grocery store. I learned now that you could look it up on your phone. It'll probably, like, tell you the aisle, the bay. It probably has, like, a tracking device nowadays to get to the hot sauce. But, or you could ask an employee at a grocery store. You ever done that before? They don't know nothing at a grocery store. Like, you ask the guy that's, like, working in the meat, like, oh, about, like, hot sauce. He's like, no idea, man. Fend for yourself. You're on your own in here. I'm like, what kind of store has employees that don't know anything about the store? H-E-B and Walmart. They don't know nothing about the store. But I say this because how many times in our life have we looked for something in the wrong place? 
What are we looking for? Happiness, love, fulfillment, to fit in, friends, passion, desires. And how many times do we look in the wrong place? How many times do we look in the wrong place? Where are we looking? This is tough for me. I think we're looking in money. I think we're looking in what car we drive. I think we're looking in what shoes we wear. I think we're looking in how many likes we get on Instagram. Ooh, that one hurts for me. I think we're looking in all the wrong places. But I have good news. You're not the first person, and I'm not the first person to look in the wrong place. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 2 tonight. We're going to be on verse 7. I'll give you a minute to get there. I want to set this up. We're talking about the Christmas, the birth of Jesus. So Jesus has been born. Uh, you know how the star came and led the people and all, and all that stuff. Awesome. We're going to pick it up in Matthew 2, verse 7 and 8. It says this, Herod then arranged a secret meeting. If you don't know who Herod is, it's King Herod. He's the ruler of the time with the scholars from the east. Pretending to be, to be as devout as they were, he got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. Then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, Go find this child. Leave no stone unturned. As you find him, send word, and I'll join you at once in your worship. These scholars from the east were looking for Jesus to worship him. King Herod, it says, pretending to be as devout as them, meaning he was faking it. King Herod, this is the backstory. He is looking for Jesus not to worship him, but to kill him. The irony here is just craziness. Because the truth is, our world is working, is looking for someone to worship. But it probably didn't come in the form and in the shape that we were wanting. You see, I think that the whole world, even he knew the prophecy. King Herod knew what the Old Testament said about it. He knew what was going to happen. But he was looking for a king that would pronounce himself as king, that would rule the world from day one. But instead, Jesus came as a baby. We're looking in all the wrong places. Let's skip forward to verse 13. After the scholars were gone, God's angel showed up again in Joseph's dream and commanded them, get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay until further notice. Herod is on the hunt for this child and wants to kill him. Verse 14. Joseph obeyed. He got up, took the child and his mother under cover of darkness they were out of town and well on their way by daylight. They lived in Egypt until Herod's death. The Egyptian exile fulfilled what Hosea had preached. I called my son out of Egypt. If you ever want to study something, study right there. That, that is an incredible study. We don't have time tonight for it. 
Verse 16, Herod, when he realized that the scholars had tricked him, flew into a rage. He commanded the murder of every little boy, two years old and under, who lived in Bethlehem and its surrounding hills. King Herod is looking in all the wrong places. You're like, well, he wants to kill him. He's still looking in the wrong place. He's looking for Jesus in Bethlehem when he's already in Egypt. Why is this a big deal? Good or bad, people are looking for Jesus. Good or bad, either to worship him or to kill him, people are looking for Jesus. People his entire life are looking, were looking for Jesus. Why? Because they understood that he was the savior of the world, that there was something different about him. Let's skip to Luke 24. You're like, this is the end of the story. Now it is. But I want you to really catch this. And this is where I want to land tonight. And I hope this speaks to you for a moment tonight. In Luke 24, verse 1, it says this. It's on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bible. It says, at the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb carrying the burial spices that they had prepared. They found the entrance of the stone rolled back from the tomb. So they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The, woman, the women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. And then the men said this, and I want you to catch this. Why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Why? Are you looking for the living one in the cemetery? Why are you looking for the risen Savior in a tomb? Why are we looking for life in things that are not alive? Why do we look in all the wrong places? There's a lot in this passage, but I want you to understand the simple truth tonight is that these two women went to the tomb. These two women went to the place of death, only with the perspective of death. They brought the buried burial spices that they had prepared. They were going to a tomb to visit a dead man in their, in their minds. But Jesus, if you read the end of this, it says, remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners to be killed on a cross and in three days rise up. Then they remembered the words of Jesus. You don't go to a cemetery to look for somebody that's alive. You don't go to a cemetery to look for somebody that's alive. Their minds were on death. But Jesus is alive. The reality is, is that we are people. 
that are without Jesus, without Jesus, if you don't have Jesus, we are people that are dying inside to live, dying inside for all of these things. But truly without Jesus, we're just living to die. The reality is, is that we are people that are dying for excitement. We're dying for the next thrill. We're dying to feel alive. But without Jesus, we're just living to one day die. You're like, so what about with Jesus? With Jesus, we become people who are not living to die but are living to then have life. You see, with Jesus, death is just a doorway to our best life. You see, with Jesus, death is just a doorway to eternal life. But I think for some of us, we keep going to the tomb. We keep going to the place of dead things. We keep going to the cemetery. We keep going to all the areas of life that there is no life. We keep going to our cell phone to give us life, to give us thrill, to give us happiness, to give us fulfillment, to give us freedom. Dead things can not and will not make us alive. It takes a risen, fully alive, fully present in our lives today, Savior, to make you and I alive. We are never going to meet God at the sight of an empty tomb. We are only going to meet God in another life. Paul wrote this in Philippians. And I'm going to paraphrase it. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. I don't know about you, but that that statement freaks me out at times. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. I want you to understand that Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and he's writing to you and I today in this moment. He is saying, hey, death is not a loss. Death is not an ending point. Death is not the end of the story, but because of Jesus, death is actually gain. That death is actually a positive thing. That death is actually something that gives us life and life eternally and life forever and everlasting. And that we will one day, because of a risen Savior, Because of a risen Savior, not because of a baby Jesus, not because of a Jesus hanging on a cross, but because of a God that came down to earth in the form of a baby and put himself up on a cross 
and then came down off of that cross and into a tomb. All those are great things. None of them will save you. You know what saves you is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus defeating death, not just beat it in that moment for that day for himself. He beat it for the rest of us. As a Christian, as someone that loves Jesus, someone who has a relationship with Jesus, death isn't part of your story. Death is really the beginning of the story. But then that that verse also says, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. It's saying that while we're here on earth today, and the reality is, is we don't know our timeline. You're like, man, this is dark tonight. No, no, I'm just being real with y'all. We don't know our timeline. We don't know when the end is. We don't know when this life here on earth is going to stop. But it says to live is Christ. And the only way to live as Christ, and the only way to view death as a positive thing, because I'm not sure if you've looked on the news or on your Instagram feed or on your Twitter feed, but anytime I see death, it's always talked about as negative. You know what the scripture says? As a Christian, death is a gain. That I'm going to gain more in death than any moment of my life. More than my wedding day, more than my salvation day, I don't, more than whatever. I'm going to gain more in death. Why? Because I'm going to spend eternity face to face with God. One on one with God. And the reality is, is that tonight... Man, this rug is getting me tonight. The reality is, is tonight that, that some of you, you don't have that hope. You don't have that promise. That death is just a doorway. That death is not a stopping point, but it's a beginning point. And tonight, I want you to understand that in Jesus, you can have life, an incredible life here on earth, but also you will have an incredible life in heaven. If you would bow your head and no one looking around for